what what's stopping him? He's already committed the most heinous act and heinous crime I've ever seen in my life. What would stop him from eating his eyes and heart? An American hate group wants to come to Winnipeg to send a message to all Canadians. The man who beheaded a fellow passenger on a Greyhound bus may soon be walking the streets of Winnipeg unsupervised. 1.30 a.m. Vince had managed to shatter a window and I'm sick. I'm emotional. I want you to pretend, imagine even, that you are riding a bus in Edmonton, Canada at 6.55 p.m. You walk through the cramped hallway and search for a seat on the crowded bus. The tall man in front of you, who appears to be in his 40s, sits beside another younger-looking guy who is fast asleep. The seat behind them is open and you sit down. As the sun continues to disappear and the orange glow is no longer shining in your eyes, the bus gets darker and darker. The time is now 8.30 p.m. and a sharp cry breaks the sound of the low humming coming from the bus's engine. Instinctually, you stand up searching for the sound of the screams only to find out it is coming from right in front of you. Everyone around you is now crowding the tight hallway of the bus trying to escape. You look down only to see that the tall man in his 40s is brutally stabbing the once sleeping individual. And this is the story of the Greyhound bus killer and let me tell you the ending is far from what you imagined it could be. The man who beheaded a fellow passenger on a Greyhound bus it was an attack so gruesome it must have seemed unreal. All of a sudden we all heard the scream it was covered in blood and he was he was like it was a robot though and he came right calmly right towards us with the in one hand, the head in the other. Standing in the doorway was the head, looked at him, dropped the head, went back and started cutting Buddy back up, right? An American hate group wants to come to Winnipeg to send a message to all Canadians. God, hey. He sent the man with the knife, and it's a curse from God. If I had my way, he'd remain in a facility. Drawing us back down from the sinister imagination, I will be giving you a one-time and one-time only warning. This, what we're about to be talking about, is a very dark case. And I wish nothing but health, mentally and physically, for those involved by this one disturbed man. Hello everyone, my name is Ethan. Bro, she's trying to chime in. I haven't named her yet. I'm probably gonna name her like Bertha or something. Hello everyone, my name is Ethan and I make true crime documentaries where I do deep dives on stories. I talk about basically anything, no matter how dark, dirty, or disturbing they may be. It is no secret that the topics I will be talking about today are going to be extremely dark. If this is your first time ever jumping onto a deep dive documentary created by moi, I want to say hello and welcome. And I also want you to be aware of some very, very important important rules. It is a requirement to grab a soft blanket, a soft drink, and prepare yourself for a hard story. Everything that I'll be talking about today is still technically alleged just because this is the ghost in my living room needs to calm down because I am trying to record. Anyways, everything that I'll be talking about today is technically alleged just because this is the opinion I have formed on this case based on all the research I have conducted. And it saves me a lot of time because some things are fact, but a lot of things are still he said, she said. So it saves me time from saying this is alleged and this is not. I'd rather just say the entire thing is alleged, even though a lot of this research is still claiming to be factual and true. Here's everything. Thing I am on. If you want to support me as I do this full time, please consider becoming a member today or leaving a tip. And if you don't want to do that, that is totally fine. I just suggest that you watch the video from start to end because the longer you watch this video, 
the more that people are going to be drawn to this video. Does that make sense? The more you watch this, the longer drawn... Yeah, I think it makes sense. Basically, watch it from the end, or start to the end, and then you'll be good to go. Obviously, this is not the regular background that I have. Fair warning, I feel like I'm knocking on death's door at this point. I woke up this morning and my throat went from being like this to like this. It's closed up. I can't talk, I can't swallow. Looks like I'm crying. Which I could cry today, I literally feel like I want to cry. On July 30th, 2008, 22-year-old Tim McLean boarded the 1170 Greyhound bus in Edmonton, Canada, traveling home from a work trip. Tim had landed a job as a carnival barker, which basically is that guy that sits at that little podium shouting like, tickets, tickets, see the bearded lady. The person that basically has a lot of energy and is also a very loud voice. His job requires him to advertise to those walking by. He had not been working there long and he wanted to make a good impression on his new employers because in about five months he was going to have a new baby boy to take care of. This was his firstborn son so he also had a ton of excitement to start raising them. His job had him travel to Edmonton, Canada as the carnival was in town. After a long weekend he was finally able to head home. He boarded the 1170 bus and sat towards the back rear of the bathroom, put his headphones in and stared out the window, minding his own business as anyone should be. If I'm on the bus, I'm not wanting to make conversations with people. The bus made a stop in Erickson, Manitoba when a passenger boarded with the name of Vincent Lee, who was born in Dangdong, China. Now let's talk a little bit about Vince. From what I've read, he was an extremely smart individual. He graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in computing. He scored his first adult job in Beijing as a computer software engineer. He worked at his job from 1994 to 1998 and from the years of 1998 to 2001, there's not a lot of information as to what he was doing in his life, though those years honestly are not that important. On June 11th, 2001, he immigrated to Canada. In the fall of 2004, he worked as a custodian at Grant Memorial Church in Winnipeg and eventually married a woman with the name of Anna. The pastor of the church later told reporters that Vince was an overall very happy individual and he honestly just wanted to go to work so he could support his new wife. Vince did have a language barrier as he was born in China, though he still made it his goal to finish work efficiently. He worked endlessly to become a Canada citizen, and on November 7th, 2006, Canada granted him full citizenship. According to CTV News, the pastor said, quote, I think you would occasionally feel frustrated with not being able to communicate or understand, but we have a very patient staff and he seemed to respond well. Despite his plausible frustrations, the passenger stated that he didn't really show any signs of anger issues. While working in the church, Vince converted to Christianity and was water baptized after he heard a clear utterance from God himself. He told other members of the congregation that when God spoke to him, he said that Vince was, quote, the third story in the Bible. I had done a little digging in my good old Bible, and honestly, I'm not sure Vince was referring to the third story in the Bible or the third chapter or book in the Bible. Both of them didn't really make sense to me, though I feel that a lot of the members in the church may have made it make sense to them 
considering that no one really raised an eyebrow with that statement. The voice of God that did make people raise an eyebrow was when Vince said that God told him one night that he was, quote, the second coming of Jesus. Yes, the beloved rapture. And if you don't know about the rapture, congratulations, because that means you were not raised into believing this horrendous rapture that was soon to come. I'm not here to attack anyone's beliefs, so if you believe in the rapture, whatever. I don't believe in the rapture personally, but I'm not gonna like yak someone's yum. Vince made it clear that God had destined him to save the population from a future alien invasion that would completely wipe out the human race. According to Wikipedia, don't judge me, they write. In preparation, the voice would regularly order Lee to travel through the country on foot or by bus, often disappearing from his home for days on end as corroborated by his wife. Due to his paranoid belief that he was constantly under threat by alien infiltrators, Lee began carrying a buck knife on his person for protection. If it is not already apparent, Vince had a severe case of schizophrenia. You hear a voice from God, you got schizophrenia. That's <laughs> stupid. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally for this case. So just let me let me have that joke, please If you see fruit flies flying around it is because of this little plant right here She is guilty of getting me so many gnats and fruit flies. I'm sick of it at this point I hate fruit flies every time I see them I just want to they drive me nuts and like if you're a gnat sympathizer get off this video if you like gnats yet Well gnats are just living creatures Shh. Well, gnats are living creatures. Shh, shh, shh. Stop talking. Stop talking. For those of you who don't know, according to psychiatry.org, they state, quote, when schizophrenia is active, symptoms can include delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, trouble with thinking, and lack of motivation. However, with treatment, most symptoms of schizophrenia will greatly improve and the likelihood of a reoccurrence can be diminished. Schizophrenia does not mean split personality or multiple personality. Most people with schizophrenia are not any more dangerous or violent than people in the general population. After the story, please know that if you know someone that struggles with schizophrenia, please do not think that they are immediately a dangerous individual because they they are not. I should add with Vince's condition is people who have schizophrenia are more likely to job hop and even can become homeless as they may struggle to keep a job. Up until this point, I do feel bad for Vince because a little bit down the road, you're going to be seeing that he is job hopping a lot. It also really bugs me that he has to struggle with a language barrier. I feel so bad for people who do struggle with language barriers. Me personally, being a native English speaking person, if I was to live in Spain where they spoke Spanish, that would be very very hard for me to live and keep a job. So yeah, I do have sympathy for this guy because now he has to know two languages, keep a job, and then also struggle with this disorder that he doesn't even know that he has. Vince quit his position as custodian in spring of 2005, but left on good terms as he was starting a new job as a forklift operator. And honestly, I assume the position of custodian does not pay as well as a forklift driver, so I feel that him switching jobs may have been more for money moves, or honestly, he may have just wanted a change of scenery, which I totally get that. I personally can only stay in a job for like, a year or two. It blows my mind that I've been doing this podcast since November of 2021 and it's literally two years next month and I haven't quit it. So, and I love what I do. It sucks that I have to talk about death. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be over here and glamorize death and people getting unalive from 
horrible individuals in this world but at the same time i love what i do i love educating people on certain stories that have been misrepresented and other stories that have been shoved under the rug that people have no idea what they even are about overall i really am thankful for what i do and i'm so glad that i have a platform that you all have given me on tiktok and hopefully eventually on youtube his wife anna also worked as a waitress at a nearby restaurant in winnipeg from 2005 to 2008 vincent changed jobs several times he he worked at McDonald's, then Meatland Food, then Walmart, and his time working at Walmart is also very particularly interesting to me because he was actually fired and didn't quit this job. The reasoning for being fired was because he had an altercation with a co-worker, and for me personally, I really asked myself, what type of altercation did he need to have with a co-worker that would lead him to be fired? I really am curious as to what conversation he had with this co-worker that was so bad that required him to be fired nonetheless. Was this something that maybe someone looked over when they could have alerted authorities like was it plausible for alerting the cops or was it just plausible for him getting fired the thing that really bugs me about this part is that there's not really any factual evidence or resources showing a more in-depth dive towards his time at walmart in 2005 vince had been stopped by the ontario police after he was found wandering in a highway heading to winnipeg where he lived police did a wellness check and declared that he was 100 percent sober when they asked him where he was going, he claimed that he was, quote, following the sun at the command of God. Authorities knew that Vince was struggling with some type of mental disability, so they had him go to William Ulcer Health Center. His time at the health center are a bit hazy. Some reports and newspapers state that he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, but later declined medication. And other reports, the ones that I actually believe, state that he was not even diagnosed with schizophrenia. In the midst of job hopping, Vince moved to Edmonton in 2006 and left his wife Anna where she was still living in Winnipeg. To be clear, they didn't even divorce. He just up and packed his stuff and left. Eventually, she packed up the rest of her belongings and then joined him in Edmonton. After Vince was fired from Walmart in 2008, he did score a job interview that he planned to attend later that week, but he was never able to attend that job interview. Let us now go to the day of July 29th, 2008. Vince was seen by several individuals waiting at a bus stop. According to Ranker.com, they write, quote, prior to boarding bus 1170 on the evening of July 30th, Vince Lee was seen sitting at the bus stop for hours before the bus was scheduled to arrive. According to reports, Lee was emotionless, sitting upright with his eyes open throughout the night and into the next day. He also had a sign in front of his suitcase that read, quote, laptop for sale, $600 OB. A little bit about that laptop is he did eventually sell it for $60 to a 15-year-old kid, which was a score in the 15-year-old kid's eyes. However, later on, police did have to confiscate that from the child. So he was now out of $60, which sucks for him, but it had to be done. I wonder if this turns on. That speaker literally sounds like a toaster oven. The following day at 6.55 p.m., July 30th, 2008, Vincent boarded the 1170 Greyhound bus and sat beside 22-year-old Tim McLean. 
Passengers described Vincent to be a tall man who looked as if he was in his 40s, and at the time he was 40 years old. He had a shaved head and was also wearing sunglasses. When he first got onto the bus, he was sitting towards the front, but then got up and moved towards the back where Tim was sitting. And from what the reports state, Tim basically just kind of looked up at Vincent, nodded, just kind of acknowledged his existence, then put his headphones back in and went to sleep. While Tim was sleeping, Vince casually reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out a knife. This was the same knife that I was talking about earlier that Vince had kept with him for protection as he was going to be the second coming of Jesus and saving the world from these aliens or demons, if you will. Out of nowhere, he began stabbing Tim in the neck. According to several reports, Tim let out a scream so gut-wrenching that almost everyone on the bus claimed the noise would haunt them for the rest of their lives. Started reading my book again, uh, probably 20 minutes later, all of a sudden we all heard the scream, a blood-curdling scream, like a... Just hair-raised, and we turned around and looked, and uh, I thought it was a fist fight at first. The one guy was standing up, and you know, there was arms were flailing and stuff like that. And uh, but then I saw the guy had a big freaking Rambo knife, a uh, hunting knife, and it was covered in blood. And he was, he just kept going at the guy. It was like it was a robot, though. He, the guy had, you know, he wasn't screaming at the guy, or he wasn't in a rage. It was just very calmly killing the guy. We're watching Zorro, and next thing I know, I hear somebody scream, and I look back, and there's some big guy holding this little fella up against, like, between the bathroom door and the seat. And he was moving, it kind of looked like a fight, but somebody said a knife, so we all run off the bus, he was getting stabbed. So I'm making sure everybody's okay right outside, and these other guys are containing the door. Then they went back on the bus and come off the bus and told everybody to get back because they thought he was coming out. His hand came out the door with the knife, looked like it was trying to cut their... The entire time Vince was doing this, he was showing absolutely no emotion. A complete straight face while he was attacking Tim, and Tim was screaming bloody murder for his life. By this point, people on the bus are all shocked, as one minute ago, the entire bus was silent, and all you could hear was the faint humming of the engine. After the driver heard the screams of quite literally everyone aboard, he pulled over onto the side of the road, opened the doors, and yelled for everyone to get off the bus. In just a few seconds everyone got out of their seats and were rushing to get off and screaming in the midst of this the driver and two male passengers tried to save tim as he was still screaming but each time they approached vince he would swing the knife towards them and then began chasing them off the bus. They were able to close the doors, locking him inside, and even in the midst of this, still being behind the glass, Vince was swinging his knife, threatening them, even though he was behind a glass. Also, by this point, it is believed that Tim was no longer alive. Vince then walked to the back of the bus where he was once sitting and started cutting off Tim's body parts. The most disturbing part is when Vince cut Tim's head clean off, pulled it up, and showed it to everyone watching in horror. From that point forward, he started taking pieces of flesh and consuming them. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police Department received a call at 8.30 p.m. for a stabbing that occurred on a Greyhound bus west of the city. Just minutes later, they arrived to find the suspect still on board as a passenger was keeping the doors of the bus shut. A semi-truck driver had also pulled over and supplied him and the driver with a crowbar and hammer to protect themselves and the other people standing in the grass from Vince just in case if he was able to get out somehow. The other passengers on the bus were all seen crying and vomiting as they all had witnessed Vince holding Tim's head and eating his flesh. At one point, Vince had tried to drive the bus away, but thank God for the driver as he was able to engage the emergency immobilizer system on the bus, which made it basically inoperable. I didn't even know that existed on a bus, so props to the driver for thinking quickly and getting that done. If Vince was able to get the bus moving, I could only imagine
imagine the horrors that would have unfolded. By 9 o'clock p.m., police were in a standoff with Vince and had requested the special negotiators and the heavily armed tactical unit to join them. For the next few hours, Vince was seen pacing the aisles of the bus and would continue to cut into Tim's lifeless body and eat various parts of his flesh. By this point, the passengers had witnessed enough and were all transported from the scene to be interviewed at the RCMP police department. According to Wikipedia, Vince shouted, quote, I have to stay on the bus forever. Four and a half hours later, at 1.30 a.m., Vince had managed to shatter a window and at that point, police were able to detain him. He was arresting arrest and it took him being tased two times for police to actually get the handcuffs on him. When it comes to Tim's body, he was spread throughout the entire bus. The forensic specialist put the various parts of Tim in plastic bags and investigators later found Tim's ear, nose, and tongue in Vince's pocket. I ain't got nothing for that one, guys. Still to this day, no one knows whatever happened to Tim's eyes and part of his heart, though based off of several reports and people's conspiracy theories, which honestly at this point might as well be facts, they believe that Vince ate it. I mean, what what's stopping him? He's already committed the most heinous act and heinous crime I've ever seen in my life. What would stop him from eating his eyes and heart? It wasn't until 3.30 p.m. on July 31st, the next day, when passengers were reunited with their loved ones. Let's talk about the trauma that was inflicted from this situation. From what I've read, I feel that it is safe to say that every passenger on this bus's life was forever changed from that day forward. According to Ranker.com, a passenger with the name of Allison claimed, quote, everything's been affected by this. I used to be a very outgoing and talkative person and have lots of friends, but now I just kind of sit around and don't do much. Even the police officers that responded to this crime were left heavily affected and traumatized. Let's just talk about the situation. And I know that I've already went into great amount of detail with the gore and horror that was on the bus. But let me re-emphasize the fact that these are real people that had to experience this. Have you ever watched a video where someone was actually getting unalived and it was real, it wasn't fake, Hollywoodified, it was a real uncut video of someone's life getting taken. Whenever I was younger, I found myself getting shown videos that deeply disturbed me of people's lives getting taken and that, the feeling of someone's life getting taken, I remember feeling just like, a deep gut-wrenching turn in my stomach. Oh my god, I'm literally crying. Why am I? It's because I'm sick that I'm literally tearing up and crying. I don't even want to get started on the fact that these are recorded. I can only imagine the victims' families of when people are recorded getting unalived and them seeing that. That's a separate rant, a separate story, so let me get back onto topic. I can only imagine the trauma that these people felt visually seeing Vince cut into Tim's body and then also hearing Tim's screams. I feel that that would be something that would live with me personally for the rest of my life if I audibly heard someone screaming, a gut-wrenching scream, and now they are now dead at the hands of a deranged individual. I also want to humanize police officers. Yes, they see a great amount of crime and guts, crime, whatever you want to talk about, but these are also real people that were seeing a gruesome scene and many police officers reported to having PTSD after Vince's horrendous act. I even read about one of the police officers that had responded to the crime suffered with PTSD and on July 17th, 2014, that six years later after the crime, he committed suicide 
which I can't say that word, so he unalived himself. His family even claimed in reports that they believed the reason why he unalived himself was because he suffered a great amount of PTSD. So as I stated in the beginning of this video, I wish nothing but health mentally and physically for everyone that was affected by this case. Oh my god, I literally blame myself for being sick. I'm like sucking in tears. I'm like, oh Ethan, you're just a little bit of a baby. Shh, shh, shh. I don't want to hear you. Up until this point, if I was to ask you how long do you think that Vincent Lee will receive in prison, you would probably say life in prison or even given the death penalty. I firmly believe that if you take someone's life, you deserve nothing but life in prison. Now I do realize that there are cases up for debate, like my girl Gypsy Rose. I firmly believe that she should be out of prison. I have a video from two weeks ago that you guys can definitely watch about that. But with Vince's story from everything that I've read, I firmly believe that he should have been given life in prison. It's so mind-boggling for me that this case is considered controversial because people thought and believe that he doesn't deserve life in prison. I, ju I don't understand why people think that. I, I just don't. It's so beyond me why someone would think that if someone, if Vince, capable of killing Tim and he did so, he doesn't get life in prison. I just, I don't understand this. I really don't. On March 3rd, 2009, Vince's trial started and I'm gonna zoom through this because this entire thing pisses me off. And if you agree with what I say, it's gonna piss you off too. I also want to say that if you don't agree with me, that is totally fine. I genuinely want to know what you have to say. Cause I'm human, my opinion could be vastly wrong and you know, 90% of you guys could think that he deserves to be out of prison. Educate me, I'm open to learning. Vincent pleaded not criminally responsible for the crime as he had a mental disorder. With this being said, Vince basically told the court that he was aware of the crime that he had committed, but because he was mentally unstable, he should not be held responsible. Vince's lawyers claim that the reason why Vince unalived Tim was because Tim appeared to look like a force of evil, and in Vince's mind, he was a threat to himself and the other on the bus. Mind you, Tim was fast asleep and had headphones on, so it's not like he was staring at Vince the entire time. Even if he was, that's not grounds to take someone's life. Instead of Vince getting everyone off the bus because of this force of evil sitting right next to him, Vince decided to take it into his own hands to unalive Tim. He felt that Tim was a demon and an alien that needed to be, quote, destroyed for the sake of the human race. In that same moment, the voice of God had spoken to him and pressured Vince to commit the brutal act. To everyone's shock, the presiding judge, John Scurfield, listened to everything Vince and his lawyers had to say and declared that he was not criminally responsible for the unaliving 22-year-old Tim McLean. At this point, Vince was transported to the Selkirk Mental Health Center where he was treated for schizophrenia. On June 3rd, 2010, just two years after the crime, Vince was allowed to go on supervised walks outside of the mental health facility. On May 22nd, 2012, four years later, according to the National Post, they write, quote, but now that he is medicated for his illnesses, talking about Vince, he says the aliens he was afraid of have disappeared, the voices he heard are silent, and he is aware of why it happened on a different level. The public was made aware on several accounts that Vince was getting treated for his disorder and starting to realize that what he did was wrong. On February 27th, 2014, Vince was able to now have unsupervised visits to Selkirk, Canada, starting out at 30-minute visits to then 
full day trips. On February 27th, 2015, Vince was given an unsupervised day pass to visit Winnipeg as long as he carried a phone with him. In February of 2016, Vince was able to change his name to Will Lee Baker and won the right to live alone on February 26th of that same year. The next year, on February 10th, 2017, Vince, or Will if you will, was granted an absolute discharge from everything that he was being held criminally for. He was given no legal obligations or restrictions pertaining to him living independently. This entire thing pissed a lot, and I mean a lot of people off. Even Tim McLean's mother came out to reporters and stated, quote, it's a pretty hard blow to take that he has the opportunity is disturbing to me. I think he has the potential to be the most dangerous person. He has proven that already. How do I feel about Vince Lee slash Will Baker's quest for an absolute discharge with no conditions? I'm very concerned for the safety of the public because there is no legal requirement for this extremely mentally ill individual to treat his illness. Schizophrenia is lifelong and incurable. The psychiatric community states that they cannot predict the future behavior of any individual. The same community claims the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. I believe it's time for all people to take care of each other. I don't believe for one second that Will Baker poses no threat. He will be a risk to public safety for the rest of his life. What if he chooses to stop his medication again? In a nutshell, I don't believe that should be his choice to make anymore. A secure facility where he can continue to receive treatment for the rest of his natural life is where he belongs. Has everyone forgotten what he did to Timothy? How this murder has affected me personally, physically, mentally, financially, and emotionally has been devastating beyond description. I don't want another person to ever go through what I've been through these past nine years. Right now, I want you to open up the comment section and answer these two questions for me because I'm genuinely curious as to what you have to say about this. Number one, how long do you think Vince should have received in prison? And number two, do you think he should have been released from prison? I know those are both very similar questions, but I genuinely want to know your opinions because like I was saying before, I don't understand why he was released early. The dude literally ate human flesh. Why are we, why are we letting him out to be on the streets to this day? Like he's free. As, as you were watching this video, this man is free. I don't know why he was released and I may never understand that, but if you guys feel that he should have been released, please let me know, because at this point, I'm standing my ground of saying that this dude should still be rotting in prison. Please excuse a brief tone shift as from this point forward in my documentaries, I'm going to be highlighting certain missing person cases that have been brought to my attention. Hopefully by the time you're watching this, the person has been found safely and is returned back to their parents, but at this point of recording, they still remain missing to this day. On December 20th, 2021, in San Antonio, Texas, three-year-old Lena Keel was at a playground with her mother when her mother left her unattended with another family at the park. She didn't know this family that well, but I guess she felt safe enough to leave her daughter there for just a short period of time, though the exact time she left her daughter alone is unspecified. When she returned to the park, the family and her daughter were gone. Lena was last seen wearing a black jacket, red dress, and black shoes. We are nearing the two-year anniversary of her disappearance, and she has still not been found. I will say there was some minor speculation that Lena's parents may have had something to do with everything, though they were both heavily interrogated and given a polygraph test and both passed. I personally think that it was just poor judgment on the mom's part, 
Though also, I'm not even going to judge the parents because they are probably under a lot of guilt and pain from the missing now five-year-old Lena Keel. At this time, there is currently a $200,000 award for anyone that could help finding now five-year-old Lena Keel. If you have any information regarding this case, please call either the San Antonio Police Department Missing Persons Unit at 210-207-7660 or call Crime Stoppers at 210-224-7867. I personally love Crime Stoppers. I feel that they get the job done. They have been known to solving countless cases, all because people call that number. Back to the Greyhound bus killer, otherwise known as Vincent Lee or Will Lee Baker Thomas, whatever his new fake name is. I've mentioned this before about how much it bothers me when people say, what's your favorite true crime story? I literally just want to be like, shh, Stop asking me my favorite true crime story. None of them are my favorite true crime stories. I don't have a favorite true crime story. No one should have a favorite true crime story because these are real people we are talking about. Tim McLean is a real person who is being grieved by real people. The passengers on this bus are real people who now have to live the rest of their lives with the trauma of seeing a person being brutally decapitated and eaten. I hope that you guys can see my perspective on this. I know it's just simple wording and there are cases that are the ones that interest me the most. My foot was falling asleep so I had to move back. I really hope that you guys can understand what I mean when I say I don't have a favorite true crime story, especially because I think the fact that I know that these are real people, it deeply disturbs me at times. I know like my captions on TikTok are always like a case so sinister and like so disturbing, just stuff that's very like clickbaity because I want to grab your attention on certain cases that I want you to know about. At the same time, they are so deeply sinister and so deeply disturbing. There are some times where I have to take a break. Like this story, I'm recording it on, what's to say, Wednesday. I'm recording it on Wednesday and I have to have it uploaded by Sunday. I'm not giving myself as much time to edit and pour into it, but it's because while doing the research on this case, it's so, it burns me out sometimes. It's just, it burns me out. Moving on to this next question that I usually get a lot is, how do I consume this much true crime information because yes, you're only receiving a video on YouTube and Spotify for once every two weeks, but what you don't know or may know, these freaking gnats better knock it off. I'm also posting five other separate true crime stories on TikTok every week. So I have to research five, at least five stories. That doesn't count the ones that I decide not to talk about later on. It's made me appreciate life more, I will say doing this much research on true crime and, you know, consuming people's darkest days and learning about their most horrendous days they'll probably ever have in their life, especially the people who are, um, R-worded victims or, um, who have been essayed, you know, those people who are still here to tell their story, those are the darkest days of their life. It's hard when I'm researching about people who, like the Hello Kitty murder that a lot of people have been asking me to talk about, and I've talked about in previous stories on here, but the fact that she was, she was down bad, like she's homeless and not financially stable, and these people took advantage of her, brutally tortured her for 30 days, day in and day out. 
people can get me started on this. People love to say that drug addicts, for example, well, just, just get clean. Just get clean. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. At that time when they made that first decision to do drugs, it was a decision that they made consciously. I'm aware of that. A high percentage of people who are drug addicts are living in low income neighborhoods and are living in poverty. They're dealt a hand of cards and they may not have any wild cards to where they can take big chances in life because if they, like for myself, I'm so thankful that I took a chance of being a content creator and doing this full time because not everyone can do that. The people who are born into very low income classes and are struggling with poverty, they're not able to take a risk like me. For me, I've been able to save up my money since I was 16 years old. I'm now 23 and I've been accumulating so much money so I could have this opportunity because it's been my dream to be a content creator my entire life. So I worked for it, but I've also not had to worry about where my next meal came from or if I was going to have to help my mom with rent because she had her bills paid. She had my sister fed. We were fed three meals a day, snacks. I was overweight because I loved eating snacks. <laughs> like it was, it, I lived a good life and I lived a very normal middle class life. But being middle class allowed me to take bigger risks in my future because I was able to better prepare myself. What did I even, where am I getting this from? I'm literally so off topic right now. What was I talking about? This is gonna be bad. To finish out that thought real quick, people who are struggling financially, they were given a hand of cards and they're playing those cards. And because they are playing the cards that they were given from society and the world itself, the economical state, I don't know what the word would be for that. The class that they were born into, the cards that they're given. The cards I was given as a kid are much different than the person whose parents don't know where the next meal is coming from. I had a few Uno reverse cards. I had a few plus twos and them, they just have numbers. They don't have wild cards. They don't have the risks that I was given. So drug addicts, yes, they made a decision at one point in time. After you do that, it becomes a disease. So back to the Hello Kitty case, I think I'm starting to reel myself back in because I honestly forgot what I was talking about to begin with. But back onto the Hello Kitty case, it breaks my heart when learning about cases of people who were dealt a very shitty deck of cards to read about these stories of people who already have a hard life and they are now getting essayed, R-worded, and even brutally murdered. It's so gut-wrenching, but then at the same time, it makes me appreciate life. I consume so much true crime, so much death, gore. I view life differently now. I see someone sitting at a restaurant eating by themselves, and I just, like, have this stupid, weird smile on my face. Because I'm like, that person in front of me is living. They're eating their chicken tenders and french fries, and sitting by themselves and I like begin to think deeper like oh they might be having a self-care day today they might be living their best day ever their only day off from work and they're just here at a Denny's restaurant eating some chicken tenders I appreciate life so much more since I've started this podcast and that's why like I'm so thankful for this podcast and for you guys because yes there are days where I don't want to keep doing this because like true crime can really eat me alive. I'm so thankful because now I have a new appreciation for life. Going back into the Greyhound bus killer, Tim did not have a single thought in his head that would have told him that that was the day that he was going to 
guy. And it really shows me how short life is. I feel like I'm like spitting in this microphone. I'm sorry, my I'm like salivated up. I'm sick. I'm emotional. <laughs> I just talked about a dark story. I love life. I love life. Life is so beautiful now that I've started this podcast and I'm able to see life. Yes, I freaking hate these gnats and I wish that every single one of these fruit flies would burn in hell, but I love them. Like I find myself like one will land on my finger and I'll just look at it and be like, hmm, that is a living creature right here. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, don't, I don't do that. But <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I see things and I just... I have a new lens, a new perspective of life. I love my family differently now. I love my nephew differently. I love my boyfriend differently now. I think in a way I grieve these people that I read about. I'm like having therapy right now. I might as well cancel my therapy appointment. But I genuinely think that I grieve these people that I talk about. Tim McLean's mother saying how it really hurts her that Vince was freed. And that's kind of a low blow. Like that is such a low blow. The justice system saying F you. This man ate your son, cut him to pieces on a bus when he was just minding his own business sleeping. But hey, we're gonna free him. Screw you. The reasoning why I think I grieve with these people is because I've experienced true grief before. To say you know grief is to say you've looked at death in the face. His mother is having to grieve him. She's now experiencing a similar grief to what I have experienced and I think that I'm able to relate with her even though every person's grief is different. Overall, it's this case was a whirlwind, disturbing, and justice wasn't served in my opinion. Like I said, if you feel that Vince should have been released, tell me. Like, I want to know what you have to say. Like, I'm not gonna reply to your comment and be like, you piece of crap, you're horrible, die, block. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I genuinely want to know your thoughts and feelings on this story. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up this video because I'm obviously emotional. I don't like crying on camera. I don't even like crying, period. If there's anything you've learned or taken from this case is to appreciate life. I wanna challenge you to look at life through a lens that you can see the beauty in everything. In the midst of your chaos, you can see beauty. I've been challenging myself with that and I've noticed a significant change in my mood. I don't feel depressed or sad and stuff like that. I, I'm starting to see life in a lively manner. If you wanna sponsor me, my email is crimebrought at gmail.com. Would love some extra funds. If you enjoyed this video, please like, comment, or subscribe. Consider becoming a member today or leaving a tip to help support me as I do this full time. I would really like to get into the habit of doing videos once a week instead of every two weeks. If you want that, please comment let me know. My Spotify people, hello, come to YouTube. My YouTube people, hello. Follow me on Spotify. <laughs> Thank you once again for this platform. I'm forever going to be kissing the feet wait i'm going to be forever kissing the ground that you walk on because you guys have given me a platform and making a little eight-year-old boy's dream come true of becoming a youtuber and influencer i love you all and i will see you guys next next sunday stay safe